0: A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Of these, I am the foremost. But for that reason, I was mercifully treated, so that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display all his patience as an example for those who will come to believe in him for everlasting life. To the King of ages, incorruptible, invisible, the only God, honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Blessed be, Bless be the name of the Lord forever. Praise you servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord both now and forever. Bless. Bless be the name of the Lord forever. From the rising to the setting of the sun is the name of the Lord to be praised. High above all nations is the Lord. Above the heavens is his glory. You, Lord. Who is like the Lord our God and looks upon the heavens and the earth below? He raises up the lowly from the dust, from the dunghill, he lifts up the poor.
1: And we will come to Him. Hallelujah! 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 Dominus vobiscum. Jesus said to his disciples, A good fruit a good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For people do not pick figs from thorn bushes nor do they gather grapes from brambles. A good person out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good, but an evil person out of a store of evil produces evil. For from the fullness of the heart the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I command? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, listens to my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house, who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the river burst against that house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who listens and does not act is like a person who built a house on the, on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, it collapsed at once and was completely destroyed. Dr. Peter Kreft, a philosophy professor who is the host of the EWTN show, The Philosopher's Bench, gave a talk in 2017 entitled, The 10 Books Nobody Should Be Allowed to Die Without Reading. And one of the books he recommends is called A Severe Mercy, written by Sheldon Van Auken. And this book, which is the author's autobiography, recounts his and his wife's friendship with C.S. Lewis and details their journey to Christianity. And Sheldon would later become a Catholic after his wife passed away. And in his autobiography, he makes a rather astute observation about Christianity. The best argument for Christianity is Christians, their joy, their certainty, their completeness. But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. When they are somber and joyless, when they are self-righteous and smug, and complacent consecration when they are narrow and repressive, then Christianity dies a thousand deaths. And a Pew Research Center report in 2022 shows that Christianity has been declining, especially in the U.S. over the last half century. It It has seen its most significant decline from the 1990s to 2020. And there are people breaking away from Christianity and identifying more and more as religiously unaffiliated, also known as the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And a survey conducted amongst those who have left Christianity attempts to ascertain the reasons for their departure. And one of the most prominent reasons that is given is the witnessing of misbehavior of their fellow Christians. When people become familiar with the teachings of Jesus, and then they see Christians who act in a way that is anything but Christ-like, it causes some of them to question the validity of the faith and of the gospel in the first place. The bad fruits of Christian misbehavior tends to reflect poorly upon Christianity itself, and it leaves a bad taste in the mouths of those who previously associated with the faith especially when they see a lot of anger, vitriol, hatred, and bitterness coming from Christians. On the other side of the coin, the good behavior of Christians who strive to live according to the teaching of the gospel has a very positive impact upon those outside the church. When Christians live faithfully according to the teachings of Christ, when they strive to act like their master, like Jesus, by demonstrating qualities such as love, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness toward their neighbor, then the gospel becomes much more attractive. Whenever we see a disturbing trend, such as a decrease in the number of Christians, our initial inclination is to place the blame elsewhere. We blame these Christians, or those Christians, or that group over there, or this group over here, those who don't celebrate mass very well, or that other group. And yet when we point the finger elsewhere, we forget that three fingers are pointing back at us. The saints are not known to go around blaming other people for the problems they see in the world and in the church. Instead, they tend to take ownership for the way in which they themselves have contributed to the problem by their own sin and then they roll up their sleeves and begin to reform the church by first reforming their own sinful ways. If they have a problem with anger or gossip or backbiting, they rely upon a strong prayer life and strive to grow in the virtues necessary to counteract their vices. In other words, the saints realize that they need conversion, a change of mind and heart. It is only when we willingly undergo this conversion with a humble, contrite, and sincere disposition that we can turn away from the rotten fruit of sin and turn towards the good fruit of charity. In the gospel reading today, Jesus instructs his disciples how to recognize a tree by its fruit. And it's important to note that this teaching falls within the context of Luke chapter 6 which is commonly known as the Sermon on the Plain. It's basically a shorter version of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And if you recall earlier in the sermon, Jesus says to his disciples, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Now considering this context, we might scratch our heads at this point and think, well, why does Jesus tell us not to judge and then later tell us basically to judge a tree by its fruits. Isn't this contradictory? Well, no. When Jesus uses the word judge, he's not using it according to our contemporary understanding of the word, that is telling a person that what they are doing is wrong. Warning a person of wrongdoing would not, be, would not have been considered a judgment at the time of Jesus. Rather, the word judge in its ancient Jewish context, should be understood in the setting of a courtroom. What happens when a judge issues a decision in a courtroom? The decision is final, and the sentence must be carried out. If the person is found guilty of a crime, he must suffer the punishment for the crime. Thus, there is a sense of finality to the word judge. What Jesus is saying is that we should not be so quick to judge a person who we see sinning, as if that person is simply condemned and that there is no hope of redemption. Even if we determine that a person has committed a sin, Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. So we are to refrain from making judgments against people for their sins, as if their sins constitute a major part of their identity and that they already stand condemned. No one is beyond redemption, regardless of how deep their sinfulness is. On the other hand, when Jesus instructs us to recognize a tree by its fruit, he's not telling us to judge or condemn a person, nor is he suggesting that conversion is impossible, but that we should be mindful of our own fruit and of the fruits of others. For example, we might see an individual who appears holy on the outside. They go to daily mass, they pray the rosary, and they go to Eucharistic adoration. And yet they also mistreat their their fellow Christians and their neighbors. They engage in gossip and backbiting. They spew hatred and condemnation towards others. And they neglect the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Even though such a person is doing some good things, like going to daily mass, the rosary, and adoration, these works are overshadowed and even negated by their abusive attitude and and behavior towards their neighbor. People can easily see that such a Christian is not living according to the teaching of Christ and the gospel message simply by looking at their fruits. The tree might have some superficially appealing aspects but the fruit is rotten. And so out of a store of evil, anger, bitterness, resentment, and vitriol in the heart comes evil thoughts, words, and actions, even in a person who does some religious things. Again, this does not mean that such a Christian cannot undergo a profound conversion of heart, but such a conversion would be necessary so that their behavior would more closely align with the loving, merciful disposition of our Lord. At the same time, when we look at the saints, we see those who have drawn upon a store of goodness in their hearts and have produced all kinds of good fruit out of the kindness and generosity that is found there. The saints whom we celebrate today, Cornelius and Cyprian, are perfect examples of this. They lived in Rome in the third century during a period of severe persecution in the early church. And as one would expect, some Christians did not have the strength to persevere in the faith as they suffered persecution and watched others be put to death. And so they fell away and apostatized. And a question arose as to whether these Christian apostates could be forgiven and readmitted to the Holy Eucharist. And a priest named Novation vigorously opposed the rehabilitation of of apostates, claiming that the church had no authority to forgive them. He opposed Pope Saint Cornelius, who adopted a policy of mercy and forgiveness towards such Christians. Cornelius was joined by his, his friend and fellow bishop, Saint Cyprian, in opposing the rigidity of novation. And eventually, the merciful policy of St. Cornelius won out, and apostates were allowed to be forgiven of their sins and readmitted to the Eucharist after performing an appropriate period of penance. And thus, Cornelius and Cyprian have produced from their own compassionate and merciful hearts a stream of mercy and forgiveness for sinners who have committed serious sins. And so, as Christians, we are called not to imitate the rigidity of novation, but rather the mercy of Saints Cornelius and Cyprian. We are called to allow the Holy Spirit to change our minds and hearts and conform them into the merciful, loving heart of Jesus. And once we have undergone an authentic conversion of heart, then an abundance of goodness will flow forth from us. From us Christians, the likes of which the world has not seen. Our proclamation of the gospel message, the work of evangelization to which all of us are called, will be made even more effective when people can look at Christians and recognize beyond a doubt the face of Christ reflected in them.